A happy hump day, Scoop Podcast faithful. Love is in the air. It's Valentine's Day week. Heck, there's always love in the air when Cole Aldrich is in studio. This is Scoop Podcast episode 282 on this Wednesday, the 12th of February. All right, I want to get to your experience at the McDonald's All-American game going back 2007, 2020. Let me do the math. <laughs> Call me Will Hunting. 13 years ago because I was actually yeah. at a party on Monday for Jalen Suggs. Yeah, I saw and that. your likeness, your picture was there. Yeah, you saw that. You, <laughs> you had some fun with it on, on social media. So we'll get to that. But let me start with something fresh in my mind. So the end of the Wolves game on Monday, the game in Toronto. Whether you saw it or not, I'll lay it out. Okay, so the Wolves have given up 134 points. Offensively, they looked good. Yeah. Toronto is a really well-coached <clears throat> team. Like, if I had to win a game tomorrow, you could convince me the coach I want is Nick Nurse. I think mm-hmm. he's that smart. Eric Spolstra is in that mix for me, Quinn Snyder, some others, Rick Carlisle. But you can make a case, Nick Nurse, like give me him. He is that good of a coach. Toronto is rolling right now. I didn't see it coming. 15 straight? Yeah, credit to them. I had Sam Mitchell on the podcast a few weeks ago. You know Sam obviously pretty well. Sam told me weeks ago, he's like, Toronto, number two team in the East. I go, Sam, you're a fool. I'm the fool, not (laughs) Sam. Like Sam saw this coming weeks ago. But anyway, it's 134 to whatever the Wolves had at that moment, end of the game. (laughs) 20 seconds left. Toronto's up, double digits. Shot clock winding down. Four, three, two. Pascal Siakam's got the ball. He hoists up a three. It goes in. Ryan Saunders glares at him. David Vanterpool had some words for Siakam. The Wolves were not happy that Toronto's up double digits. Why did you have to shoot that shot? Take the turnover. The game is over. And Siakam, you know, I think – he sort of understood their frustration, and him and Saunders embraced after the game. It looked like within minutes it was all said and done. But where do you stand on that unwritten rule? Like, for me, Cole, I'll just be frank. The Wolves overreacted. I thought that was a bad look for the Wolves to react that way. Like, if you're upset, how about play some defense the first 47 minutes and 40 <laughs> seconds of the game? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, stop them earlier in the game. Where do you stand on that unwritten rule? Like, does Ryan Saunders have a case there? Does David Vanterpool have a case there to be mad at Siakam? Where do you stand on that? You know, it kind of depends on, like, the whole story because you can you can have a close game and obviously you won't have that shot taken. Or you can have a game like I think we saw a few weeks ago with the Knicks. Uh, somebody, I'm trying to think of who it was, stole the ball Dribbled back for a corner three, hucked it up. Marcus Morris might have took him out or whatever. Was it Jake Crowder when Crowder was Jake Crowder, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, now you got that messy situation. Um, So, yeah, it wasn't that ugly on Monday night in Toronto. It could have potentially gotten that ugly if a certain player reacted a certain way. But in this case, it looked like it was more the coaching staff of the Wolves not necessarily their players. I'm just it's kind saying. of been just the frustration of the whole story that they've gone through because yes. they've won one game in you know since first week of January. I think the ninth, maybe. Correct. So how A convincing win, by the way, but you only won one. Yeah, I mean, how do you how do you do that? I mean, you've I've been on a team where we didn't lose, we didn't win a game for five, almost six weeks. We lost 16 straight, I believe it was. What team was that? The Knicks. Yeah. 
I should have known. <laughs> and then we by process the of elimination, was, yeah. I should have realized it was it was your time in New York. <laughs> we lost like sixteen straight. We won a game, and then we lost like another nine straight. So <laughs> we were like one in twenty eight at the time. I mean, I'm just thinking, <clears throat> why should Siakam on his stat line have to have an additional turnover next to his name, right? If he just holds the ball, shot clock expires, that turnover is on him. Yeah, Why can't is. he shoot that shot? But you see some guys passing the ball to each other, where some guys will like don't want that turnover. You'll see a guard and you know, he'll look to pass to somebody and they just like turn their back and like or no, how, I like, don't at want the end it. of quarters. How many guys <laughs> wait until clock hits zero, then they take the seventy <laughs> no, footer, right? Yeah. Or the half court <laughs> shot because they don't want that extra field goal attempt, that miss on their stat line. Yeah. So I'm just saying, in Siakam's case, why should he have to accept an additional turnover? Like, why can't he shoot that shot with 22 seconds left as the shot clock is winding down? Three, two, one. What is he supposed to do? Hold the ball? Yeah. I mean, and accept the turnover? I'm just saying, unwritten rule to me. BS with the unwritten rule. Like, of course, shot clock winding down. Of course he's going to shoot that shot. Yeah. I, I also kind of think of what happened in the Kansas-Kansas State game, too. Yeah, we didn't talk about that last podcast. Yeah, um, <clears throat> That game was over with. It was over with five minutes into the game. And, I mean, if you hadn't seen it, the guy stole the ball at the very end, ran down the court. One of the guys on Kansas blocked the shot, kind of stepped over him. Another guy rushed in, pushed him. Now you got chairs trying to be thrown and all sorts of other craziness happening. Um I don't know. I mean, at a point in time, what does it matter? But it's becoming a thing now because a lot of people bet money on games. So well, now sure. you have lines, you yeah. know, in, in that one bucket at the end of the game, people are really, you know, losing a lot of money or winning a lot of money. I agree. I would <laughs> not. I'm not a degenerate. On occasion, I'll make a bet. When I was in my 20s, I bet a lot. I would always avoid basketball for that very reason. Like, I would bet a lot on baseball. I'm not a hockey guy. Mm -hmm. I am a baseball guy. Like, to me, when there's more points just sitting there to be had, the more chances you have to fail miserably on a bet, whether it's the over-under or just the overall point spread. Yeah. I felt better about making an over-under bet on runs scored in a baseball game. I just did. Yeah. So I avoided basketball often. Although if I knew I was married to a game, watching a game on a certain night, and I wanted uh, an extra reason to watch said game, yeah, I might throw 10 or 20 or $30 on that game. But I would not bet heavily on basketball for that very reason. I think that – I mean, I don't know how many people would even think about that. You know, obviously, and in the moment, like, yeah, I don't think players are necessarily thinking about that. I think it's yeah. worse the competitive juices flowing. These You're, guys just kicked our ass. Guy for just comes in. He's like, we I want to get another them. bucket. And then, yeah, he's got to throw up another three. <laughs> like, I try to put myself in the shoes of Ryan Saunders just to see, okay, can I understand it? I think I would be more upset at my team, though, for just offering. And I get it. They hadn't practiced together. I mean, they pick and rolled. The you-know-what out of D'Angelo Russell. I mean, he looked lost defensively yeah. on Monday. But I get it. He hasn't had a full practice with the team. Not that he's got a great defensive <laughs> reputation to begin with, but I get it. You know, weird circumstances or, or new circumstances. I understand that. Mm-hmm. I do. But I'm just thinking if I'm Ryan Saunders, I'm not mad at Pascal Siakam 
but I'm mad it, at my team for offering little to no resistance for the first 47 minutes of that game. Does it matter if it's Pascal Siakam or if it's the guy that doesn't play at the end of the game and, you know, they're up 22 and and he's like, oh, the hell with it. I'm just going to huck this one up. Is there a difference? I mean – that's an interesting question. Because how can you say, well, you know, Pascal did it, but you also have whoever on the bench come in at that point in time, game's over with, and you got the two benches playing against each other, and the guy's like, all right, I got three points here. I'm going to try to get six. What does that extra field goal matter if I if I make or miss it? I'm just getting it up because I, I ain't got anything else to do today. <laughs> does level matter? <laughs> like if – Let's say it's your Bloomington Jefferson Jaguars against Eden Prairie. Number one, big bad Eden Prairie. And Eden Prairie is up 25 or 30 points late. And Eden Prairie's got its 11th man in. If you're the Bloomington Jefferson coaching staff, are you upset if Eden Prairie's 11th man, who pretty much never plays, has an opportunity to make a three, even though it's just about a 30-point game? Are you upset in that instance? I'm probably shooting it. Why not? Of course. Right? I mean, that's my thinking. So maybe it's just the person that it is shooting the ball that becomes the problem because, you know, it could have been a a nine-point game, and here there's 17 seconds left on a clock, and a guy, instead of just dribbling it out, end of game, not even having to take the turnover, is just like, oh, well, the hell with it. Toss it up. Whatever. I mean, I think it's just the story of it. They haven't won very many games lately. There's a lot of frustration. And now they have a, a new group of people in. Things have changed. It's kind of a new season in a sense of we have 30 games left. Let's see what we can do. Build on the last bit of the season going into the next few years. Do you like what you've seen so far? How much did you see on Saturday? The win, the convincing win over Paul George and Kawhi Leonard yeah, and Montrez Harrell. Like, the Clippers had their full complement. They didn't have Morris yet, you know, via the trade that, that wasn't completed. But, I mean, they had their roster that's one of the four best in the Western Conference, and the Wolves kicked their behind. Then, at least offensively, and even defensively to an extent, like, they weren't getting their butts kicked on Monday in Toronto. It was a close game until the final – handful of minutes against a really, really good team. You laid out the winning streak, whatever it is, 15 games now. They should win tonight. We're taping this on on Wednesday afternoon, but the Wolves host the Hornets tonight. You would think they can win that game. like. But did you see much of Saturday and Monday? So I did, and I mean, it was just a straight barrage of threes, and thankfully they went in. I mean, they've had a lot of games that, you know, hasn't been great. You know, now with the new personnel, obviously it's going to be different, but I'm trying to see. I mean, even they scored 142 and and the Clippers scored 115. I mean, you're still, let's be honest, you're not going to win a whole lot of games having the other team score 115. You know, I'm not sure what the average is anymore, but I think if I remember right, a few years ago it was like 104, 105. It's probably up to like one. Nine, one, eleven. I would think somewhere in that ballpark. Certainly up, just based on just teams shooting that many more three pointers, that many more three pointers versus two pointers going in. But yeah, I mean, if you're giving up, 
that many points on a regular basis, you're probably not winning a whole lot of games. Where do you stand on defense, individual versus team? Like, I just singled out D'Angelo <clears throat> Russell. That mm-hmm. Toronto pick and rolled the you-know-what out of him on Monday. But, like, in terms of the guys around him being able to help him, like – how much can you look at a guy and say, that guy is a bad defender versus, you know what, maybe he's not that good of a defender, but team-wise, that's just not a good defensive team, mm-hmm. and it's on the collection of the five guys on the court, not just one individual. I think, so I think about when I was in L.A. and even a little bit with Minnesota here with Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford is a far stretch of a defender. Like, he's... You know, he might get a hand in a ball every once in a great while, but but I knew that. I knew that any time that Jamal and I were on the court, I might have to help him out for his, lack of a better term, inability to defend. And I knew that, you know, kind of opposite for me where he's a great scorer. I'm not. I'm a good defender. He's not. So we kind of have to balance each other out. And, and as a big guy – you see the whole floor. Now, I will put that on Carl because he is guarding the big guy, and most of the time he sees the floor. So morning shoot around, you know the place. You do this, you do that. You know, as years had gone on in my career, I didn't see guys sitting there reading your scouting reports, knowing this, knowing that, okay, you know, if I'm guarding – um. Kawhi I know what he likes to do and you know when I I think the reason why our second unit in uh, LA was so good was you know Pablo and I would sit down before games and we would we would watch teams that we were playing their defensive on pick and rolls and knowing like okay you know at this point in time this guy's gonna you know, his tendency is to do this. And I was like, okay, well, then I'll come and I'll rescreen. And then, you know, understanding the kind of the game within the game. But now, I mean, so many guys are just sitting here looking at their phone and, you know, not not thinking about the game. You know, you're hanging out in the locker room and I get it. You play a lot of games and it kind of gets monotonous after a while. But, you know, that's where teams are good. You don't have to go and explain, all right, well, when Steph Curry is at the high, you know, at the top of the key and Draymond comes and sets a pick for him, you have to switch up because he's going to take a three behind the screen. And the chances of him making it is is pretty high. I think that's where they lack and a lot of bad teams are. I mean, I don't know if you saw what Andre Iguodala said the other day. I think he said something yesterday when about Jimmy Butler. When Jimmy was the only place that Jimmy, for lack of better terms, his mouth got him in a bind was here because people didn't want to listen to what he has done. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know if he was wrong here. In fact, he wasn't. I was in that locker room and he wasn't yeah, wrong. You were. He wasn't wrong. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you, you, how many Correct. games I mean, have you watched? It. You can sing it better than I can, but. You, he wasn't wrong. The way he delivered the message, we can argue, sure, yeah. was wrong. Might be a little but harsh. The actual but... message was not wrong. But you, I mean, I, I, I just see them defensively, and you're not going to win many games 
like I said, you know, not holding teams to we try to we used to try to do it to twenty five a quarter. A little harder now, so you'll call it twenty seven thirty a quarter. So even then, that's one hundred and twenty. It brings it down to one hundred and fifteen ish. Still a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Your math skills are good, too. <clears throat> but remember, you know, I did the math early. <laughs> you just did the math. Nice, yeah, one hundred and twenty. I like that. So if you, you know, if you are scoring seventy five and a half, I mean, now you're plus fifteen over what you wanted to hold them, or or in some cases twenty five. Yeah, I mean, you're just you're not winning like that. How much can you coach up defense, and how much of it is just effort, want? Like, I guess what I'm getting at is the Russell-Towns combination is going to be on the floor a lot moving forward for many years. Multiple years, at least. I can't sit here and say four years, five years, but... Yeah, a number of years. The rest of this year, next year, I guess maybe reevaluate after that. Malik Beasley is going to be on the court a lot with those two. So, Beasley, Russell, Towns. Can you coach those guys up? Like, I thought... I thought Cat's rookie year, there was a game... In the Bay Area against Golden State, he hops out to the perimeter. He's moving his feet. Did a good job on a switch on Steph Curry. Yeah. And a lot of us thought at that moment, there might be something there with Cat's defense. From that moment on, the defense is pretty non-existent. But is there still something there that's salvageable? Can the Wolves coach up that threesome and turn that threesome? I'm not talking into first-team all-defense, but like good defenders. That's adequate all you, defenders. Yeah, that, that's all you need them to be as adequate defenders because now you can rely on a game a, a guy like James Johnson, who is a bigger body and who has been around a number of years and has been on good teams and and knows kind of the tendencies throughout each player. I mean, it doesn't come overnight, but also you have to put the work in to figure it out. I mean. Like I said earlier, a lot of guys are just sitting on their phone, checking Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok or whatever the <laughs> hell you got going on. Yeah. And I mean, by the time we're done recording this, there will be a new one. Yeah. Okay. In the case of Cat, you were with him. You know him well. Does he have that in him? Does he have that work ethic? See, that's that what, desire, that want to be a good defender. That's what makes me curious about how D'Angelo is. I don't know him personally, haven't really been around him ever, so I don't know, like, how he is as a leader. But, I mean, we talked about it. I think work in progress, which is understandable. I don't think – I mean, D'Angelo is 23 right now, (laughs) almost 24, but he's 23. It's hard to be a good leader at 23 years old or 22. Yeah, when you're four years in, you kind of should be figuring it out. Think so, it's not his first still team. Relatively and... young. I'll tell you this much. And who knows where these people were before the trade went through? But the trade goes through last Thursday. I got some text messages. People just saying, "Hey, keep an eye on D'Angelo." There are some maturity questions there. Hmm. Now, hey, can those questions be answered while he's with his guy, playing with a big that maybe he's never played with before in Cat? Yeah, maybe. Maybe some of those questions get answered. Hey. Brooklyn wanted to bring him back until they were able to get a commitment from Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So we talk about D'Angelo being on now what is fourth team in four years. The Lakers were trying to dump a contract, and he had that kerfuffle with Nick Young. Yeah. That was public. That was also, what, four years ago. So you would hope that maybe he's matured since that moment. Yeah. 
you know. Then he goes to Brooklyn, turns into an all-star, right? Has a and really Brooklyn good year. And Brooklyn wanted to bring him back. So you talk about him being in, you know, San Francisco with the Warriors. Now here, if Brooklyn doesn't get a commitment from Kyrie, then Kevin Durant, D'Angelo's still serious. with the Nets. You know, but I'm just saying, it was interesting that I did get some text messages from some people just saying, hey, he's got a little ways to go in terms of his maturation. Um, I'm always curious of friends wanting to play with friends because, I mean, look at one example that worked really well was LeBron and D-Wade and Chris Bosh. Then you also have one that, you know, may not have worked well with LeBron and D-Wade back in Cleveland. You know, scenarios are different and whatnot, but it's so different playing with a friend of yours than playing with a teammate that becomes a friend. Because if your friends, I mean, you have friends here at work, some of your friends outside of work, can you imagine working with them? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> right? Correct. And there's some friends I have here at work that, frankly, they're just work friends. <laughs> yeah, and that's okay. We're not going to Surly down the street and having a beer. We're just not. You know? Yeah. And, you know, so that dynamic, you know, that was the whole narrative I continued to hear was, oh, you know, they're such good friends. Carl shows up to the airport and, you know, we were at my house and, and we're doing this and we're doing that. You know, what happens when, you know, the honeymoon phase gets old? When you first get married, you're, you know, you're so excited. You're all in love. And now here you are 15 or 20 years or even three years later. It's like life continues. What, like, what does that look like? And how do you hold each other accountable? Because, you know, me knowing Carl, he's not a person that's going to say, hey, hey, Darren, I need you to get your shit together today. May not be your day today, but we're going to do a better job, and we're going to figure it out because we need we need this one tonight. We're playing whoever, and if we want to get in the playoffs, we know that we're going to be in the seventh or eighth seed, and this game really matters. And it sucks that we played last night, and your knee hurts or your shoulder hurts or whatever it is, but we got to do it. And here we are, and how are we going to figure out how to do it? Why doesn't he have that? could be for a number of reasons i don't know i I mean you you see i don't know if it's kind of the au upbringing now with some people with some kids and he's been coddled going back many 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 years i mean remember he played he's not eligible for usa basketball because of his dominican background he played for a dominican team against some nba players when he was still in high school yeah you know, so you think about the opportunities afforded to Carl Anthony Towns. It's not any fault of his necessarily, but he has been coddled, I bet, since he was, what, 10, 11 years old, 12? Who knows, what maybe it, younger than that. Whatever. So you're raised in, in that environment where you have everybody wrapped around your finger. You know, maybe there's just not that gene that says, I need to work my ass off, right? And, and not that he doesn't. I think he puts in enough work he sure to become does. the offensive player that he has. He's a dynamic, transformational offensive player. But, but what to about, be a Hall of Fame player, like, I look at Cat and say, that guy should be in the Hall of Fame one day. And for him be. to get into the Hall of Fame, there's still work to do. Is oh, he willing to put in that work? Yeah, I mean, just... To get to that next level, that Hall of Fame level. Because if you don't really win, what I mean, the thing that I, I've seen this narrative 
for the last, we'll call it two weeks or so, is, you know, he, he's been saying, well, I, you know, I'm disrespected around the league. Well, because you haven't done shit. Like, what, you've been in the league five years, and you've had one above 500 team? And mind you, we were barely above 500. This is not like, you know, here we we went out and won 56 games. You know, we won 46 games maybe that year. And it was with year? Jimmy. Like, what is Cat's record in games with Jimmy? Games without Jimmy. Yeah. Even if Jimmy thought that Cat was... I mean, you even look at, like, his other friend, Devin Booker, and... You know, people say, well, you know, he got snubbed. He should be an all-star and this and that. Well, win some games, and then he will be an all-star. Because, you know, there are guys in the West that have won a lot. I mean, can you say Chris Paul? Would you have said, oh, Chris Paul is going to be an all-star last season when he got traded to Oklahoma mm-hmm. City? And you look at his, you know, his his kind of group, and you're like, ah, oh, you know, he's he's, not, he's got some – some not bad players, but here they are in a playoff race. Yeah, no, he's a legit all-star. And he's an all-star. And I'm okay with the argument of maybe Booker belongs in, even minus the, the team success in Phoenix. But then at the expense of who? You're not going to take Westbrook? Russell out. I mean, that would be the one. So and you're going to take think, somebody that's yeah, in the sixth spot the, in the you West? you boil it down, you probably take Russ over, over Booker. So if you're going to make the argument for any one player, Bradley Beal, or Devin Booker, if you want to argue, Carl Anthony Towns, these guys belong in the All-Star game. Who's coming out? Because they can only take so many, right? Mm-hmm. Brandon Ingram, maybe? I mean, positions don't matter. Should no, Devin but I Booker think Brand- be in there over Brandon Ingram? But Brandon Ingram's team is better. Not marketably better. Well, but uh, that's the whole thing. Playoff team. So, if you, you know, if you're going to whine about not, you know, being respected and whatnot, sure, I mean, sure, like, Guys look at it and they hang out during the summertime in L.A. or New York and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I averaged this or I did that. And, you know, when you get to a point, you're like, I went to the conference finals. You know, we made it to the playoffs. Look at the group of guys that I had. You know, we got to the second round and I had a bunch of slap dicks on my team. Like, (laughs) you're kind of like – I mean, everybody thinks about LeBron in, well, what year was it? 14 maybe when they made it to the finals and they had really no notable guy other than him. And it's kind of like, because at the end of the day, he is that good and he makes sure that, you know what? The guys on my team may not be as good as maybe I want them to be or, or I hope that they were. But there is nothing that's going to stop me. I'll, I'll score 60 a night if I have to. Now, he's in a different stratosphere. Like, he's he's the exception, right? He's, he's the mirage, not the trend. Yep. Right? I mean, you can make a case if you wanted to that LeBron is the greatest player of all time. I'm not quite sure I Probably. quite go there. But to me, you know, if you want to go with the, the talk radio cliche of, of a Mount Rushmore, he would be on my Mount Rushmore of basketball. All day long. And I don't go way back, right? Bill Russell's probably on my Mount Rushmore. I believe it's his birthday today. I saw just I the numbers, how good the Celtics yeah. were before he arrived, then after he was gone. <laughs> Yet when he's there, they win, what, 10 championships in a 12-year span? You know, and they Ridiculous. Were, they were good before and relatively good after. But clearly, you just look at the team success. 
Bill Russell had a lot to do with that. But, yeah, I mean, I'm 40. I don't go back to the Bill Russell days, right? Yeah. You hear the stories. But I'll even... But I'm just saying, you know, like, if, if you're asking for a top four, LeBron is among my top four. So I just think he's... I don't even know if we can bring up LeBron, I guess, is what I'm getting at, because just nobody compares to him. Take Jimmy, for an instance. Chicago. Carlos Boozer. Kirk Heinrich. You know, they had some They had some really Taj. They had D. Rose. They had some really good teams, and they made some pushes in the playoffs, him being part of it. Comes here. A group of guys that not had won more than, we'll call it, 35 games in five years. Comes and finds a win, a way to get to the playoffs. And he missed some games, too. It's not like he played all 82. And then he goes to Philly. Philly's got some good players. Now they find a way to be a millimeter or two from an odd bounce that goes in to, you know, losing to a team that eventually won it. Mm-hmm. Now he goes to Miami with some guys that are good players. Odubayo is a good player, all star. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, you find ways of like he's like, yeah, you know what? These guys maybe not, maybe not as good. I'm gonna find a way to make them better. On the contrary, I'm not gonna give them the excuse that oh, we're not so good because everybody has an excuse. Everybody plays hurt. Everybody is tired. You know. I look at my freshman year. We came off a national championship game. We had Sean Collins and myself. Everybody else had left. We had the Morris twins who we didn't know could end up being as good as they became. We got to the Sweet 16. People said that we were going to do the same thing that Florida did after they won back-to-back. They didn't even make the tournament. And here we are. We won a conference. Lost first round in in uh, the conference tournament to Baylor. Ended up going to the Sweet Sixteen, and you know, there's no excuses. Everybody can make an excuse, and you know, I think the excuse is getting old. Of, you know, you're five years in now. What are you going to do? Let's play this thing out. What's the future hold? I think it could be really Rub good. That crystal ball. What's I, the future hold for Cat for this organization over the next? Two to three years. You know, I think it could be really good. Next year is going to be an interesting year because they still need a piece or two. So they you know, have the mid level, though. Yeah, a lot of teams will have the mid level, but they can go sign somebody. So you're gonna. I I'd mean, like to see a four man, or who knows? I mean, heck, should Cat be the four man? Do you look to bring in a five man, a Marcus Saul? You know, he's a free agent. Or yeah. James Wiseman. You might be high enough in the draft to land Wiseman. Like, where would you play Cat? Four or five. Oh. It doesn't matter that much in Ryan's system. Yeah, you know, I think you have to play him. You have to have him guard a five because at least when I was here, we tried to have him guard other players, and he's just too much of a liability outside the perimeter where if you can keep him, you know, closer to the paint because he can really block some shots. When he's around the rim, like, you know, he kind of has a knack for that. Mm Mm-hmm. But the more you stretch out, the more his his head gets kind of discombobulated. And he's not thinking, well, if I'm on the wing, you know, and the ball's on the other side of the court, I have to be at the nail. And I have to be here because if he drives middle, like, I have to be there. Or, 
you know, just kind of different positioning things. So if you take that away, he has to play. He has to defend a five. Whether he plays the four or the five offensively, whole nother story. But yeah, you would have to then find a five man that can defend a four man. So yes. Cat needs to defend the five man, which is pretty tough. I don't have <laughs> enough intimate knowledge yet of James Wiseman, for example, the the kid that that played a few games for Memphis. I don't know if he's capable of guarding fours. Would you rather have him guard Serge Ibaka or Mark Gasol? Mark Gasol is a little aged, but would you rather have him kind of chasing Serge around or – Yeah, Mark. Yeah. You know. Although, speaking of Serge, another free agent, would Serge come here? Would Serge be a good fit next to Cat? Man, I, you know I Because not... they can't keep everybody up there. They're no. going to lose somebody. Van Vliet's a free agent, Gasol, Abaca. They're going to lose somebody. Serge is probably a mid-level guy. I don't know. I mean, there's only like five or six teams that will have cap space. Mm-hmm. But Serge isn't, I don't think, getting more than the mid-level, which is nearly $10 million a year. I mean, the which mid-level is really good it's money. It's that much now? Yeah. It's like 9-6 or 9-7. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Yeah, it's too bad you're, what, 31, 32 now. <laughs> like, imagine if you were 25, 26. Yeah, it keeps going up, up, and up. But, yeah, would Serge Ibaka be a nice fit next to next to Cat? I mean, you you give that defensive presence – I mean, I like James Johnson for the sheer fact that, like, he's a tough son of a bitch. He will just, I mean, with He'll that fight you. background. He'll fight you. That and he's not scared. Background, <laughs> like, I might take him over everybody, including your guy Marcus Morris, in a fight. <laughs> crazy fighting crazier. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Yeah, that would be, that would be one heck of a spectacle. But, yeah, I mean. I don't know if people realize just James's fighting background. <laughs> I mean, ridiculous. he he is he is legitimately a trained fighter. Yes, he has fought MMA fights. Yeah, he is yes. not a guy that's like, oh yeah, you know, had a few beers. Oh, I'll kick your ass. Uh, you know, put the boxing gloves on. Let's go. Like, no, he's actually <laughs> he's actually trained, <laughs> and it looks like he's got a little game left. He does. He, you know, he's probably motivated too. I mean, remember at the beginning of the year, now Miami, maybe you know the exact testing they do, but apparently the conditioning tests or tests they put you through is ridiculous. Is ridiculous. It's different than just about any other team. I, I but don't, he failed their conditioning testing. Eventually, I guess passed it, but initially failed it, mm-hmm. and so just the year got off to a rocky start in Miami. But then he and, came around. I mean, Duncan Robinson has developed. Tyler Hero. You talk about some of these guys that Jimmy maybe has helped cultivate. That's a good roster. So James was fighting for for any minutes he got. So he might be embracing this opportunity where he knows, yeah, he's going to come off the bench, but he's going to play. Oh yeah, whatever it is, eighteen to twenty two minutes a game. And like I got, thought he looked good on Monday in Toronto. He's got thirty games to make another contract. Let's get the player option for next year. So, I mean, he'll opt into that, right? $15.5 million. Yeah. But he's st- not getting that from anywhere else. But still, as teams look at it and they say, well, you know, because he's getting – oh, man, how old is he now? He's 32, so he'll be 33, I believe, unless he turns 34 right before unrestricted free so agency. So he's getting but to next that time point. he hits unrestricted free agency, I think he'll be 33. So at 33, you're still in a position to make some money. There's only a finite <laughs> amount of time you guys can make – the money you make. So if you're James Johnson, even though you're making really good money now, sure, why not think a year out, one more contract somewhere? Oh, so I yeah, can get another got, year or two deal. He's got plenty of incentive. 
Absolutely. And just to prove that he still has something left. Like, people have written him off. People have said, James, you're done. You know, Miami proved. You're I, done. You don't have anything left. So he is he is uber-motivated. I'm I, told he's he's happy with this move, that, that he likes being here. I can see that. You know, I was with him in Sacramento for a short period of time. Um, oh, I didn't realize that. Okay, so you know how tough he is. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have intimate knowledge of how tough he is. <laughs> yeah, well, that whole team. I, you know, I always think about my t- the, I guess both teams when I was in New York of, like, level of craziness because we had Ron Artest and Kenyon Martin and the names continue to go on. But You've had some interesting teammates, right? J.R. Smith was a teammate of yours. J.R. Smith, Shump. Um, I mean, I've had some very, very eclectic teams. Yes. And that team in Chicago, or not Chicago, in Sacramento, James Johnson, Boogie Cousins, yeah, <laughs> Isaiah Thomas. I, you know, I've, I've had Travis Outlaw was on that team. I mean, I had some, maybe a few loose screws on our team. Oh and, yeah, well that's what happens when you played for what six different teams in eight years. Yeah, but yeah, boy, I'll I mean, tell you, you've it, had it, a lot of teammates. It makes oh, for some good stories. <laughs> oh yeah, and trust me, that's why I love having you in studio for for the podcast. All right, let's let's wrap up with your time in the McDonald's All American Game. 2007. So on Monday, I was I was at the McDonald's on Hiawatha yeah. in Minneapolis. They were celebrating Jalen Suggs. Pretty cool that Minnesota this year has three McDonald's All-Americans. Paige Becker's on the girls' side at Hopkins High School. She'll go to UConn. You can make a case. I mean, she'll make a lot of money playing in the WNBA one day. Mm-hmm. She wants to go play overseas. She's a professional player. She'll go play at UConn until she reaches the pros. But she is unbelievable. Then you have Dawson Garcia, Prior Lake who could have gone to any number of schools, commits to Marquette. He'll play a lot next year as a freshman. I think Dawson has a chance to play in the NBA. Then you have Jalen Suggs, still weighing, maybe going to play in Europe, You know, going the LaMelo Ball route, the R.J. Hampton route, or he ends up at Gonzaga. He's going to play in the NBA eventually, too. Yeah. Pretty cool, though. Suggs, Garcia, and Beckers, three McDonald's All-Americans, but I was there, and they had this big poster board of of all the Minnesotans who have been McDonald's All Americans. There you were, two thousand and seven, <laughs> which I sort of remembered, but I was reminded. But like, I think about that year, Derrick Rose, right? <clears throat> Derrick Rose, Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin, Kevin Love, Kevin Love, uh, Michael Beasley. Yeah, I think he was the game MVP. Um, James Harden, James, James Harden, Harden was a McDonald's All American in oh seven. Oh man. Eric Gordon? Yeah. People forget about Eric Gordon. You're right. Which they is, shouldn't. I mean, I guess locally he's had enough good games against the Wolves, including the, the playoffs a couple years ago. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's lasted a long time. Long time. There was, man, I'm trying OJ to think Mayo? of. Yeah, O.J. Mayo was on there. Bill Walker, maybe real some hoop junkies would have remembered Bill Walker. He didn't end up playing in the game. Because of the question of his age, ended up going to K-State and never making it to really the NBA for for a period of time. But he was another guy that was like linked him and OJ uh, coming out of high school. Those were like the two great guys. And Johnny Flynn. Johnny Flynn. Yes, Johnny Flynn. I mean, we I mean, had – That's the thing. I mean, when you make the McDonald's game – not all 24 guys are going to play in the NBA. No. But a good chunk are absolutely going to play in the NBA. J.J. Hickson, I don't know if you remember that name. 
Yeah, he played for the Cavs for a played bit. Played in Portland for a little bit. North Carolina State? Yes. Um, I mean, like you said, it, just because you make the McDonald's doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to go and play in the NBA or anything. But, you know, we were in Louisville, and I remember I still have the ball. I, we, everybody got the ball, and I had everybody sign it, and it's still in my office. And we also got little trading cards. And I had everybody sign my trading card. So it's, you know, growing up with guys, and it's probably even more intertwined now with social media and all that because, you know, when I was going through that, we didn't, you know, we didn't have a way of, like, really communicating. Correct. Kind of had cell phones. Not that old that we didn't, but, you know, having a cell phone in high school was a little – you know, different. Correct. But now you've got these group chats and yeah, any number of, of social media platforms. Plus these guys just, you know, the way AAU has changed even in the last 13 yeah. years. They're all through it. I got, I got yeah. one. I got a great story that always reminds me of my McDonald's All-American experience. Yeah. We were in Louisville and we had roommates and my roommate was Michael Beasley. Who, yeah. you know, as, as many people know, you spent some time here. Yeah. Mike is is just he's incredibly nice. He sometimes just lose sight of things. Yeah. So was he ever diagnosed with anything in that regard? I mean, a lot of us fight different focus type issues. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure, but so uh, going back, I think the game we'll call it the game was Saturday or Friday, whenever it was, the night before. You know, I go to bed. We'll call it 10, whatever. I wake up to the door opening, Mike coming in, and it's like 2.30 in the morning. And I'm like, Mike, like, where were you? Like, what the hell? He goes, oh, man, I was, I was shooting dice. I'm shooting dice with the guys. And I'm like, shooting dice? In the hotel or, like, down the street in an alley? <laughs> you know, I'm not really sure. I'm guessing in somebody's room. Yeah. So – you know, here, and I was like, well, uh, did, you, did you hit him over the head? He goes, uh, yeah, a little bit. And I was like, well, how much did you make? And I'm thinking, you know, I'm here, I'm a suburban kid from Minnesota, and, you know, if he made, like, 50 bucks, Correct. he he just yeah. made this absurd amount of money. He's like, oh, uh, yeah, you know, a little bit. I got him for, like, $2,500. i am like, what? <laughs> $2,500? Like you, twenty five. Right? I mean, shoe money, whatever money maybe he got to end up at at Kansas State. However, his situation played out. Frankly, he probably had a lot more money than that. He probably, did, you know, and and you know, from his response, he didn't really seem like he was all that excited for twenty five hundred dollars. It wasn't like, oh yes, I just won twenty five hundred. I yeah, I was on a hot streak and. <laughs> He kind of went in so nonchalantly, like, yeah, you know, I got him for 25 I'm like, hold on, what? Oh, that is fantastic. Where is he now? Is he, he playing you know, overseas somewhere? So at the end of last year, the team in Guangdong, which is southern China, the best team that has – um, oh, what's what's the guy that played for the Lakers? Um, Yi, Yi Jianlin. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's like his team. They had Marshawn Brooks and Sonny Weems 
ended up bringing Michael Beasley in, paying him, from what I heard, like a million dollars a month. Well, the question is, did he get his money? That team, they told I him they'd pay him so. that, whether they paid him that. Yeah, but he got to a point where I don't even really think that he was playing. <laughs> but he was he was a league MVP in China one year. So, you know, he's he's no stranger, but, I mean, he's found a way to continue to get jobs. I don't know if he's working this winter or not, but. Interesting guy, though. When he was wrapping up his Wolves tenure, he had an estate sale. So my good buddy, my colleague Phil Mackey, went to his estate sale, oh, yeah. ended up buying his toaster. <laughs> Phil Mackey has Michael Beasley's toaster. Maybe what one of many toasters buy? he owned at the time, but <laughs> what paid kind like of ten bucks is... for his toaster at an estate sale. Is this like a really, really nice like three hundred dollar toaster? Just the fact <laughs> he had to have an estate sale. <laughs> oh, oh, there have to be so many, so many Michael Beasley stories. By the way, are you still on the Wolf salary cap? Have I ever asked you about that? One more year, next year. Okay, so right now though, like as we're talking about the Wolves just being like ever so close to that luxury tax line, but right now they're over the luxury tax line. I don't They're trying to negotiate ooh, yeah, a I buyout guess, with Evan I guess Turner. mine probably does go against the Yeah, I don't know exactly all the inner workings of that. I'll have Bobby Marks on a future podcast. Maybe I'll ask him that the the former Nets assistant GM who's got intimate knowledge of of the salary cap. But I'm just wondering if your cap hit is somehow messing with Glenn Taylor's finances. Oh, I don't think it's enough to really mess with the finances. They're close though. They're only like a million and a half, give or take over. Isn't well, your cap hit? If you're on the I cap think- Eight fifty, maybe nine hundred thousand dollars. No, I think it's less than. I think it's like six hundred. Oh, all right. Well, because I had a, I had partial. I think it was two million for the partial, and then they stretched it. Yeah, which I guess would probably be six fifty. That's still fascinating like that, though but... to me that that you're still on the Wolves cap. Hey, your former agent Jeff Schwartz, did he turn down the Knicks job? Did you hear that? No, I didn't. They're hiring Leon Rose, who represents Carl Anthony Towns, a number of players. There was some talk that the Knicks had at least approached him. Whether they offered him the job, I don't know. It For just hit me the as standing GM here. president? Yeah, was he your main agent? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I still talk to him every so often. And you would know the client list. But, I mean, Jeff Schwartz, when talking about power brokers in the NBA. Yeah, he's got. Jeff is that. Yeah, it's him and well, Aaron Kellum Rose. back yeah. in the day. But, I mean, there's the three of them. And, I mean, and now it's, you know, Rich Paul with LeBron and Anthony Davis. But yeah. yeah, it's Leon Rose with Creative Arts Agency, and they have a number of agents. But it's Creative Arts Agency. You know, Wasserman's got a bunch of guys out in L.A. But, yeah, XL Sports Management, Jeff Schwartz. Yeah. I mean, his client list is is through the roof. But, yeah, there was some talk of, of the Knicks having some interest in him. At, at what point do you, like Rob Palenka, don't, not to completely get into it, but you go from the agent side to the president or GM. And you're asking if you're giving back some money? Like, are you making more money as an agent? You have to make more money at their level than you would be at a president's level. I mean, I guess it's one of those things where you can always go back to being an agent, but just to see if you can do it. Well, would you have to sell your company? Yes, like, if you you're would. Jeff Schwartz, oh, yeah. you have to yes. sell your... Yes. Now, in the case of Leon Rose, you know, he doesn't own Creative Arts Agency, as far as I know. He might have a, a sliver of ownership, yeah. but doesn't doesn't... Oh, and he's not the big, big boss of Creative Arts Agency. So I don't know exactly how that would work. But, yeah, like in the case of Rob Palenka, Landmark Sports, like he used to represent Tyus Jones. So I got to know Rob. He was in town for Tyus' draft party and just that whole draft process. 
fact, I had a number of conversations with Rob about Kobe over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got to know Rob relatively well. Uh, yeah, he had to give up yeah. his stake, sell it yes, off. exactly. Yeah. Huh. But it? you can always get back into it if you wanted to. And you know, I mean, being an agent can be a grind. Ugh. Yeah, the paychecks are nice, but being a president, you're can on be notice twenty four seven. And yeah, if you're the president, you're on notice too. But like, if you're Leon Rose, what else is there to accomplish as an agent? I mean, in his case, nothing. Nothing. Imagine if he can rebuild the Knicks and turn the Knicks into a winner. Like that would just solidify your basketball legacy. Something like yeah. that puts Leon Rose in the Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, and you're not on. And uh, not that you're thinking like that exactly, but. I would think just, you know, for your basketball soul. Yeah. How satisfying would it be to help the Knicks even just get back to the playoffs? Just, yeah, get back to 500. His guy's Which I Tibbs, guess would be way. in the yeah, – Oh, yeah. He'd be in the playoffs. His yeah. guy's Tibbs. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if Tibbs ends up as the Knicks coach. I wouldn't be shocked at all. That's Leon's guy. Oh. Now, yeah, Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy's one of his guys, too. So, I mean, he'll have some options, but – Mike Miller's the interim coach now of the Knicks. He's not going to get the job full time. They're going to bring in somebody. Somebody. I don't know if I would hire Tibbs. Maybe that's just because I'm mad. I've texted him a few times trying to get him on the podcast, and he hasn't gotten back to me. Uh, and sometimes he would get back to me, but he hasn't gotten back to me. Uh, so maybe it's my own personal vendetta that, that he's not texting me back to he's, come on the podcast. You're not high on his priority yeah, list. Yeah, but I just I don't know if he would be atop my list. There's, there's a lot of coaches out that are good. I mean, there's a lot of coaches. And I just that think really there's another and... Nick Nurse out there. So go find that guy as opposed to recycling. And it's not an indictment on there you go, Tibbs Bill per Self. se. Well, I think <laughs> your guy wants to coach in the NBA one day. He could. I mean, he's, he's up there he's in age now. Though, like done. at some point, you either oh, do like it or 50. you don't. No, he's, he's older than that. No, he's not. He's not. Bill Self. Yeah, he's like fifty-two, fifty-three. He's not that old. Keep talking. Yeah. Let me go to the Google. Yeah, go to Google. But I will say, with I mean, the whole trade thing, I do, but we d- we didn't hit this. But with Andrew departing, I fifty-seven. All right, I thought okay. he was a little older. Yeah, I thought he was closer to sixty, maybe yeah. even sixty. Yeah, fifty-seven, and he just turned fifty-seven six weeks ago. Yeah, right after Christmas. All right. Yeah, he's got a little bit of time, I guess. A little bit of time. Yeah. Next time you're in, let's after you're back from from All Star Weekend. Uh, something in the next couple of weeks. Let's talk some Jayhawks because as yeah. we get into March Madness, I need some knowledge on, you know, do I advance Kansas to the Final Four, to the championship game? Should I pick Kansas to win it all? I mean, they're up there. Yeah. It, and I should have asked you about your guy Marcus. We brought up Marcus Morris's name enough. Yeah. They're going to put his, his jersey up in the rafters that. like yours. Coming up here in a few weeks or yeah. next week even. Is it? This week, All-Star break, Is it? I would imagine. so. Okay, so you'll be in Chicago, though. You won't be there. Which, which is awesome. I mean, he deserves it, and I was going to – Touch before we got out of here was with Wiggs and departing. I think that he is. Yeah, I think that's going to be a good a good situation. I think that you know. I hope so. I think he means well. He's got a, he's got a great he's a really heart good to him. Dad, you know he's he's now a dad. I get the sense he's a good dad. Yeah, I'd like to see him do okay. I, I hope he doesn't get eaten alive by Draymond and those guys. I hope he yeah, can but, find his niche. You know, Harrison Barnes esque role. You know, maybe even a heavy Harrison Barnes. You think about Harrison earning the big contract in Dallas mm-hmm. after his time with the Warriors. Can Wiggins maybe be that guy even to another level? And I hope Gorgie I hope Gorgie succeeds with Tyus down in down in Memphis. I mean, yeah. as a humanitarian, like they don't make humans better than Gorgie Jang. Yeah. He's he's done some un- incredible work. It's uh it's exciting to see 
kind of where the Wolves are going, but also, you know, for me with some old teammates, Tyus taking the job in Memphis and, you know, now Wiggs is going and, and Gorgie and just sometimes I think you just need a fresher breath there. You do. And, and I think it will be good for both of them. I mean, you guys are viewed as commodities. Mm-hmm. I mean, some guys like forget to think that. that these organizations think about the human side of things, but in many ways, you're just a commodity. That's the business side of things. Got to take it out because how do you how do you trade a guy that has a I mean can you like can you imagine if they didn't hire Ryan after telling him they got the, that you know he got the job then they went through the whole process and then he just had a son and and then all of a sudden you're like oh actually by the way we're not giving you the job mm-hmm. so there might have been some human element there but like with Tyus Jones. You don't think a ton of people at the Wolves think the world of Tyus? Of course they do. Of course they do. Gerson Rosas looked at the contract. I mean, they offered Tyus less money than that. He didn't sign. Then he signs the offer sheet for Memphis. Good for Tyus. He got paid. Yeah. Three years, what, $26, 27000000 million. Got a good but opportunity. But the Wolves knew the second he signed that offer sheet, even though they waited a little bit, they knew the second he signed it, we're not paying him that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where you're a commodity. Yeah. Like, they set a price point. Cole Aldrich, you're worth this amount of money. Tyus, you're worth this amount of money. And we are not budging off of that, especially when we're working within the confines of, of a salary cap. We have to do it. And so it's, it's becoming more of a hard cap yeah. as it goes and goes. Yeah, so maybe it's a little bit different in baseball without a hard cap, you know. But, yeah, in basketball, in football, I mean, we're about to see the Vikings make all sorts of changes because they're over the salary cap. I mean, that's what it's, these guys are. As much as Everson Griffin has done for this organization, what they've done for him with all his personal battles last year, yeah, you're going to see Everson Griffin in all likelihood. Find another jersey. Yeah, after 10 years, 11 years, he's he's going to be gone. You know, that's a commodity that the Vikings just say, here's his price point. And they may not even offer him anything. In fact, I just, just they're going to say, Everson, thanks for everything. We're moving on. Yeah, we appreciate your time. You're welcome back whenever. Absolutely. You know what? <laughs> Speaking of that, I appreciate your time. You're welcome back whenever. <laughs> Cole Aldrich, enjoy All-Star Weekend in Chicago. i got to thank my grand, uh, well, my mother-in-law for watching my son. Nice. Right well, you know what? To a credit to her. To get here. If she survived all 54 <laughs> minutes of this podcast, if she didn't fast forward, if she's actually listening right now to the 54-minute mark of this podcast, kudos to her. In fact, if she ever wants to come in studio and do a segment with us, if she survived this long, Cole, invite her in next time. Bless her heart. I, I, I hope my son is sleeping, but, you know, he he might be a little fussy today. Oh, well, you know what? Uh, kudos I left to you and your great wife time. for – for surviving as much as you can. I mean, that's what it is. It's survival the first handful of weeks with a newborn. It sure is, but I'll tell you, it is incredible. Yeah, it is. It's There's nothing that will be more rewarding in your life. Mm-hmm. And even just for, I think he's about five weeks now, mm-hmm. go from essentially a little blob that just poops and eats and cries to now, like, he's got a little smile. And mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, you start oh, to see wow. some features. Here's your little personality coming yeah, out. absolutely. And <laughs> trust me, over the next months and, and the next year or two, it'll come out even more. And then yeah. when they start walking, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Barricade Enjoy the whole that. house. <laughs> Barricade, exactly. <laughs> the whole entire house, yes. Cole, uh, safe travels to Chicago, okay? Oh, thank you. That's the voice of Cole Aldrich. We always love having Cole in studio. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 282 on this 12th of February. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. 
And that's where the Sleep Number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.